think for a lot of people who find themselves enmeshed in pornography, uh, it's pretty easy to think at the beginning of that journey, I can handle this. It's fun. It's what it, it, I need this, but I can handle this. I can manage this. But that attitude could destroy your marriage. I'm John Fuller, along with Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin, and they lead our marriage department here at the ministry. We're coming back to a conversation that Jim Daly had with Rosie McKinney, and uh, she's done extensive research on the effects of pornography addiction and why it's so dangerous for marriages. One of the things that people will begin to justify is, is it that bad? It's just a little uh, assistance. It helps me. It entices a little arousal in our marriage, and it's it's healthy. I mean, you can hear the explanation there, and you've heard that from people. Speak to the wider damage that we opened the broadcast with, you know, the impact to a marriage because of pornography. Yeah. There are so many studies now. We're talking hundreds of studies that prove that pornography damages relationship. It's like... I use the analogy. Do you, do you know the story of the Snow Queen? No. Okay, it's a, it's a fairy tale by Hans Christian Andersen. And um, basically there's a, an evil troll who creates a mirror. And the mirror shatters and it goes throughout the world. And it gets into people's eyes. And when they look through this uh, mirror that's now lodged in their eye, they only see the bad and ugly in people. And this is what pornography does. It puts this pornographic lens so you are no longer able to see your spouse in the way that you once did, in the way that God intended you to. You will be more dissatisfied with their appearance, with their sexual performance, and also just general decision-making. There are so many studies now that prove that people who um, married couples, where at least one partner is viewing pornography, they're more likely to threaten splitting up. They're more likely to have more fallouts. They're more likely to express their dissatisfaction and compare them to other people. And then they even did studies where they took um, uh, a user group and exposed them to one hour of pornography for six weeks, mild pornography, Mm. which is not a lot compared to what most people use. And then they had a control group who were watching nature documentaries. So and then they questioned the people before and after how they viewed their spouse and, you know, how satisfied they were with them. And without fail, every single person who'd been exposed to that small degree of pornography rated their partner lower after watching it. It is this pornographic lens. Mm -hmm. And that's what we women need to hear. We need to have it validated because we know it. We know Mm. something's changed. We know they're not there. We feel it on a a gut level. And it doesn't matter what we try. It doesn't make any difference. Well, this term that is used that many people, I don't believe, understand when we talk about objectifying women. Mm -hmm. That's what you're describing, that they they become less than your partner, less than your wife, less than, and you you begin to see them in uh, only in ways that they can satisfy you. Exactly, because we know that what you watch affects how you think about things. We have, what, a billion-dollar marketing industry. We know that it affects... It's the same with pornography. And you're not watching two consensual adults having sex. You are watching something that is highly violent, misogynistic, degrading, humiliating. That's what pornography is. And for those of us who grew up before the internet and haven't been exposed to it, it comes as a big shock. They're watching what? And I'm not going to go into graphic detail. Yeah, of course. What is sort of very, very common and ubiquitous in most of the pornography videos, but it's highly shocking and highly 
dehumanizing. Right. And that is what you are being exposed to and your brain is being conditioned to be aroused by what you're watching and that's what i wanted to ask you is the brain science that was the next question i had for you in fight for love your your wonderful tough book uh you described that brain science related pornography explain how uh, porn can essentially hijack the pleasure center of your brain yeah this is fascinating and when i discovered this it was like so many light bulbs went on in my head um and helped me see my husband as not my adversary anymore, but an ally who needed help. He really needed help. Once I understood what was happening in his brain or what had happened in his brain, I, I had compassion that I didn't have before. It doesn't excuse what he did, but it, it helps. So basically the reward center of your brain gets hijacked. So the reward center is basically a biological way of maintaining our survival. So whenever we do an activity that furthers our survival, like eating or having sex, then our brain produces chemicals that reward us, happy chemicals, okay, the, which is very good. We, you know, we, it says right. that was an advantageous behavior. Let's repeat that. Unfortunately, with pornography, it can be hijacked. We can be hijacked by artificial stimulus, that actually is a, it's called a supernormal stimulus, which means that we can be conditioned to actually prefer these false images. Mm. And the thing that's different between um, a normal, intimate sexual relation, you know, an encounter with your spouse and pornography, is that in this one, when, you're, when you have sex with your spouse, there's an off switch. You know, just like when you have too much food, there's an off switch. It means you can get out of the bedroom, you know, out of the dining room and get back on with your life. With pornography, there is no off switch. Huh. So that's the addictive factor. There is no off switch. So you can literally binge for days because all you need, the only thing you need to do to keep this dopamine surging is to click on something novel, something new, something more stimulating, maybe more shocking. You need to up the ante mm. and you can get another hit. And this is how people get so addicted because your brain... Um, when we do repeated activity, we create neural pathways, yeah? And that helps us do things quicker, like learning to drive, playing the piano. So what's happening in your brain when you're watching pornography is that you're, um, you are creating these neural pathways connecting pleasure and the activity of pornography. And there's a, there's a little protein called Delta Fos B, which is really useful, and it helps us learn how to do things. But extra amounts are produced when we use pornography. So instead of there just being a, you know, a normal neural pathway, it becomes like a highway, mm. like this Delta Force speed, the amount that are being produced, and there's an extra amount when you're a teenager, becomes like an asphalt paver, so that nothing else compares. Huh. The high that you get from pornography, nothing else really counts. And this is why you see people who are addicted, you know, they're hob you know, just not interested in their hobbies anymore. Fulfillment at work no longer does it. You're dissatisfied with your spouse. Um, hanging out with your kids just irritates you. Everything in life becomes lackluster because nothing else can compare. Greg, Rosie really explained how porn damages the brain. And uh, typically there are some underlying common reasons why men choose to look at pornography. What are some of those? Yeah, I think one would be an addiction, exposure to pornography at a very young age. Um, that's a part of my story. 
Mine as well, by the way. Yeah, introduced at a very young age. And man, just the way she explained it, the, the impact on, on the brain and just how that set me up to continue using that even into uh, my marriage with Aaron. Um, I, you know, I think and this is kind of an obvious one, sexual pleasure. Um, you know, I think what's interesting, though, is men, you know, we're very capable of separating sexual pleasure from emotional intimacy. We can really compartmentalize that. I think that's very different than, than most women mm-hmm. um, have would have a harder time compartmentalizing and separating the two. Um, I think a big one that that's probably in my mind even one of the main ones is there's it, it's really I think porn use can be because of an emotional distraction um, or trying to cope with a difficult emotion you know stress for example a lot of lot of guys will turn to porn just based on just feeling so stressed out and it's just a way to calm down and it's a coping mechanism depression anger I mean any of these emotions. Um, can create this overwhelming desire to cope with that. And without good, healthy coping strategies, pornography, unfortunately, is a go-to for a lot of men. I think low self-esteem, John, would be another mm. one. Maybe this this man is feeling very failed at work, um, not good enough, um, failed you know, inside the marriage or at home. Um, and pornography is a way to, to feel differently, um, doesn't require... You know, any sort of relationship building. Right. So as far as there's no risk at failing at that relationship, mm-hmm. which it isn't really one, that fantasy. So I think those are some of the things that would come to my mind on on some of the underlying reasons why guys um, and certainly women will turn to porn. Yeah. Well, a couple of things come to mind. One is we have uh, a podcast devoted to yeah. this entire topic. Yeah. And we We share our story. And mm-hmm. just how we dealt with that within our marriage. Yeah, so let me encourage you to go to the Focus website or wherever you get your podcasts and look for that. It's called No Porn Marriage. And then uh, if you're struggling, uh, either because you're uh, a spouse addicted or heavily using pornography, or you're perhaps the spouse seeing something like that and you can't do anything about it, give us a call here. Focus on the Family has been dealing with this issue head-on. We've been very biblical, very direct about it. We have a lot of great help. We have caring Christian counselors, and we'd love to connect you with someone that can help you take the next step toward uh, some healing with this. And then finally, uh, we would suggest you make a donation to the ministry, and when you do, we'll send a copy of Rosie McKinney's well-thought-out, very researched book called Fight for Love. Um, a donation of any amount to the ministry makes a big difference as we move forward uh, in helping marriages. And so please uh, give what you can, and uh, we'll say thanks by sending a copy of that book by Rosie McKinney, Fight for Love. You'll find all of the details about what I've just shared in our show notes, or give us a call, 800, the letter A in the word family. Next time, Rosie shares how she had to confront this issue in her own marriage. And for now, On behalf of Greg, Aaron, and the entire team here, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for joining us today for the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.